Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We greet you here in the nave of Marsh Chapel this fine Sunday morning as we celebrate the feast of the baptism of Jesus Christ. We greet you whether you are here with us in the nave, whether you are listening live on WBUR 90.9 FM, or listening on the internet at WBUR.org. A special word of greeting this morning to Reverend Soren Hessler, who will be bearing the word to us this morning, and also to Lorelei, our ensemble in residence under the directorship of Beth Willer. We hope this ordered service of liturgy, music, and homily will invigorate the body, touch the mind, and awake the soul. Let us stand as we are able in the praise of God.
Let us pray. Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan proclaimed him your beloved Son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit, grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Please be seated. As we turn our hearts and minds to make our confession this morning, we remember that because God is merciful, we are saved through the water of rebirth and the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. Through sin, we have fallen away from our baptism, and so let us return to the Lord and renew our faith in God's promises by confessing our sins in penitence and faith as the choir sings the Kyrie. Let us remember that if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. But now, says the Lord, the one who created you, O Jacob, the one who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. 
Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
in Psalm 29 with the antiphon. to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of our gospel. of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 and 21 through 22. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Good morning. Let me first begin by thanking Bob Hill for the opportunity to be with you today as your preacher. The dean is away this week, and I pray for traveling mercies as he returns next week for the first Sunday of the new academic year. Now, today in Luke's gospel, we hear the story of Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan by his cousin John. And we are called to remember our own baptism. Like Jesus, we are baptized by water and the Spirit. The ordinariness of water is an outward sign of the extraordinary inward working of God in each of our lives. In hearing and recalling Christ's baptism, we recall our own baptism and seek renewed relationship with God. Now, students, staff, and especially faculty are well aware that this week marks the beginning of the spring term of the academic calendar here at Boston University. To all of you, welcome back from break and welcome back to school. However, you may not be aware that tomorrow also marks the beginning of a new season of the church's liturgical calendar, ordinary time. Rarely do the rhythms of church life and academic life align. But today we celebrate Jesus' baptism, and with it comes the end of the church's celebration of the Christmas season. To those still recovering from Christmas, welcome back to ordinary time. We celebrated Jesus' birth less than three weeks ago, and tomorrow the church returns to ordinary time to focus on Jesus' life in ministry. Reflection on Jesus' first 30 years is condensed to just three short weeks in the church calendar. Jesus' birth, the visitation by the Magi, and his baptism as an adult, which we celebrate today, are all part of the Christmas season. Next week, our weekly lectionary gospel texts return to the attestations of the signs and miracles of Jesus' ministry. Soon, we will remember Jesus turning water into wine at the feast in Cana at the behest of his mother. However, this month-long period of remembering the signs of Jesus' ministry is just a brief interlude before the beginning of Lent on Ash Wednesday in mid-February, or in academic lingo, midterms followed by an all-too-quick lead-up to finals. As we transition from this Christmas season into ordinary time, we change our vestments from white and gold of the Christmas celebration to a more plain green vestment. Certainly, there is nothing commonplace about the miracles recounted in the Gospels, but the church recognizes that there is something especially special about the miracle of Jesus' baptism, which we mark today. Just as the church keeps the celebratory vestments of the Christmas season out for this Sunday, which celebrates Jesus' baptism, 
we are called to remember that our own baptism is significant and special. Sometimes, however, the church does not do a very good job of communicating the specialness of the sacrament, the fact that we are baptized both by water and by the Spirit. This past week, my wife and I had the opportunity to vacation in Puerto Rico and spent most of the week in old San Juan. The walled city is 500 years old and has a particular affinity for the Epiphany, the visitation of the Magi to the young Jesus, perhaps in part because the city was spared an English invasion on that feast day almost 200 years ago. Now, by January 1st, U.S. retailers remove their Christmas regalia and Christmas music disappears from the airwaves. The Christmas season is over as far as the American retailer is concerned. But the church calendar is still in Christmas tide, and in San Juan, Christmas is still in full swing. Christmas lights are everywhere, and the Spanish-English radio stations favored by our taxi drivers were playing plenty of Christmas music. Instead of milk and cookies, children leave grass for the pack animals of the Magi in hopes of receiving presents from the three kings on Epiphany. The familiar bearded Santa Claus who poses for pictures with children is replaced by three bearded men in royal attire. This Christmas season fervor is culminated on the Epiphany just last Sunday with an island-wide party Many businesses are closed, and in fact, the next Monday is a state holiday. Yes, it seems that another religious holiday is very commercialized in Puerto Rico. But in Puerto Rico, this special emphasis on the Epiphany makes it readily apparent that we and the Church are still in the spirit of Christmas through this week. Your tree might have died out at home weeks ago, and you might have put it out on the curb on December 26th. But how can we as the church here in the U.S. mark the fullness of the Christmas season and mark the transition back into ordinary time on this feast of the baptism of our Lord? My wife reads four languages. Spanish is not one of them. I took a Spanish course or two or three in college, uh, but together we still had a difficult time navigating a menu uh, and navigating the city. Nevertheless, we managed to visit each of the historic churches in the old city. All but three are Roman Catholic. The others are Pentecostal, Presbyterian, and Methodist. As a United Methodist clergy couple, we were delighted to see the vibrancy of the Iglesia Methodista as the cross and flame greeted us on the side of many churches as we traveled throughout the mainland of Puerto Rico and the island of Culebra. In one church in the old city, whose denominational affiliation shall remain nameless, just inside the entrance was a very large stone baptismal font. Its mouth was over a meter wide and it was covered in stone carvings, centuries old. But inside the font, it wasn't brimming with water. It contained what appeared to be a very small brown doggy dish with just a few drops of water. The grandness of the font, which was designed to, remember the, to remind the viewer of the presence of the Spirit in baptism, 
was dwarfed by the lowliness and ordinariness of what it contained. The doggy dish did not call to mind the life-changing nature of baptism. The majesty of the font seemed to be reduced to a few ordinary drops of water in a very ordinary container. Now, I'm not trying to enter a debate about the amount of water necessary for baptism, sprinkling or full immersion, marble fonts or backyard swimming pool. This is simply to say that baptism sometimes seems to be just ordinary, just another part of ordinary time, not a part of the Christmas season. And unfortunately, the importance of baptism seems to be lost in many of our churches today. This last Sunday of the Christmas season ought to be a special time to remember the sacrament, an opportunity to reaffirm the vows of our baptism, or an opportunity to explore receiving the sacrament for the first time. Baptism marks a transition in the liturgical season because it is a sacrament which prepares us to live our day-to-day, ordinary lives as Christians. Today, I encourage you to renew your commitment to walk with God or to think about making a new commitment to living a renewed life through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' time, there were many people preaching forgiveness of sins and baptizing people, or at least using water for ritual purification purposes, as may have been the possibility for the Qumran community. John himself was an ordinary man. He baptized a great number of ordinary, observant Jews. But in Jesus' own baptism, something extraordinary happened. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus, and Jesus was recognized as God's Son. Jesus' baptism is about much more than welcome into a community of faith. It is about God's promise of the divine presence in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Now, I've been to a great many baptisms in my life, and I've yet to see the heavens opened and a dove descend on the individual being baptized. But we as a Christian community have faith that in the outward sign of baptism, namely water, We are affirming God's love for the individual and for each and every one of us and God's promise to be with us. John Wesley, the 18th century reformer of the Anglican Church, upon whose teachings the Methodist Church would later be founded, affirmed the Anglican sentiment that baptism, like communion, is an outward sign of inward grace and a means whereby to receive the same. John Wesley's theological heritage lives on in countless churches and institutions in America and abroad, including here, Marsh Chapel and Boston University. We believe that in every baptism, no matter how ordinary it seems, something extraordinary happens. We may not see it, but we believe that the Holy Spirit is fully present with everyone baptized in the name of Jesus and that in baptism, an individual is recognized as a beloved son of God or daughter of God. In baptism, we recognize all three modes of God's grace. We need not see a dove descend on an infant whose head is sprinkled with water because we affirm God's love for us 
and desire to be in relationship with us, even before we recognize God or seek to be in relationship. This provenient grace is God's presence with us through the Holy Spirit from our birth to our death. Baptism itself is a means of justifying grace, a sign of new life in Christ. It is an expression of our desire to be in relationship with God and God's continued commitment to be in relationship with us. Finally, baptism also invites the community of faith in which an individual is baptized to be in intentional relationship with the person as he or she is perfected in faith and perfected in love for God and one another. Sanctifying grace is God's transformative gift to us through which we become better people. Baptism marks an individual's initiation into a lifelong process of sanctification upheld by the prayers and presence of a community of believers like this chapter community here at Marsh Chapel. Baptism equips us for the life of faith. The last several decades have seen a revival of the sacraments among Protestants. Here at Marsh Chapel in recent years, especially under the leadership of Dean Hill, there has been a renewal of devotion to the sacramental life as well. Baptisms have become more regular, and for the last several years, communion has been offered weekly while academic classes are in session. Among the opportunities to receive communion is a seven-minute liturgy, Common Ground Communion, on Thursday afternoons at 1220 on Marsh Plaza, which will resume this Thursday. It offers an opportunity for students to receive the sacrament, tangibly experience the presence of God and God's grace between classes. But the opportunity is not limited to students. The communion table here at Marsh Chapel is open to all, students, staff, faculty, people unaffiliated with the university, straight and gay, United Methodist, Presbyterian, Christian, curious, and unchurched alike. The opportunity to experience God's presence is always available at Marsh Chapel. Should you wish to receive and there's not a communion service planned, contact a chaplain or a member of the ministry staff and we'll be more than happy to provide the opportunity for you to receive the sacrament. Unlike the sacrament of communion though, which the church urges us to seek regularly, if not constantly, baptism is a one-time only occurrence. It marks, as I said, a change in our lives, a commitment to be in relationship with God and a commitment from a faith community to be in relationship with us. It marks a turning point in the life journey. For many, this is a conscious decision we make as adults or youths, but for many others, baptism was a commitment made by loved ones that we would be nurtured in the church and guided to accept God's grace for ourselves. In either case, we are asked to earnestly repent of our sins and seek God's forgiveness and the forgiveness of our neighbors. Moreover, in baptism, we commit to seek better patterns of life that we might be closer to God and neighbor. We seek a baptism by water, which washes us clean of sins, a baptism by the Holy Spirit in which we commit ourselves to God and recognize God's relationship with us 
and a baptism by the fiery passion of God's grace, which frees us to a new life through Jesus Christ. John Wesley taught that in baptism, a person was cleansed of the guilt of original sin, initiated into the covenant with God, admitted into the church, made heir of the divine kingdom, and spiritually born anew. A lot is going on in the few moments of baptism. We receive absolution from sin while also committing ourselves to new relationship with God and neighbor. Moreover, we only need to do it once. Certainly, we need to reaffirm the relationship with God as we recognize in baptism, but that relationship never leaves us. Sometimes we don't realize the full wonder and mystery of the sacrament. Sometimes we need visual cues of the church to help us identify the importance of our actions and the stories of Scripture. Like the etched stone baptismal fonts I encountered this week in Puerto Rico, sometimes it helps us to have a visual or tactile sign of the mystery of the sacrament. Sometimes it helps us to identify the specialness of the sacrament and to remember the moment of our baptism to touch water, or to remember being enveloped in water. This week, if you're sitting in the nave of Marsh Chapel, you see a large clear bowl filled with water sitting on a small wooden table at the front of the nave. I encourage you during the hymn following the sermon or during our prayer time to come forward, touch the water, and remember your baptism. Or perhaps you're sitting on the cape right now, sipping your coffee. Later this afternoon, take a stroll on the beach and run your hands in the water. Perhaps you're driving home just now from your own Sunday morning service. I encourage you to recall the wonder of water, perhaps a beautiful beach or a wondrous waterfall. I think of Lamina Waterfall near Uyunque in Puerto Rico, where my wife and I swam in cool mountain water as a 30-foot strong falls washed over us. Or Playa Flamenco, a horseshoe white sands beach with warm, gentle waves. Remember a time when you were immersed in the wonder of water, and remember that you are similarly wrapped in God's glory and clothed in the Holy Spirit. We trust that in the Spirit, whose presence we accept in baptism, God will be our constant companion and supporter. God does not abandon God's covenant with us, even if we wander from it. The Spirit remains steadfast, chasing after us as a tireless friend, even when we turn away. The Spirit remains steadfast with us always. The church provides opportunities for us to remember our own special relationship with God. While I was preparing my sermon this week, my wife quipped in the Dunkin' Donuts desolate land of old San Juan that America runs on Dunkin' and the church runs on Dunkin' Munchkins. Now, of course, her remark was a bit tongue-in-cheek, but at the heart of the mission of the church is the telling of the story of Christ and offering opportunity for women and men of all ages to develop deeper relationship with God. Perhaps you wish to renew your relationship with God today. 
Perhaps you wish to think more about accepting the gift of relationship with God for the first time. If you've not received the sacrament of baptism and feel moved closer to relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and seek to experience God's grace through the sacrament, I encourage you to speak with me or another member of the ministry staff after the service today or to contact the chapel office in the following week and ask to speak with a member of the ministry staff about receiving the sacrament. For those who have received baptism and who wish to renew their relationship with God, I invite you to renew your baptismal vows now and to come and touch the water during our prayers of the people or during the hymn. I invite you to recommit yourself to God and to accept the presence of the Spirit in your life anew. If you have a United Methodist hymnal in front of you, you may wish to turn to page 34 to read the vows of baptism. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the, baptism, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. Through the reaffirmation of our faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism, acknowledge what God is doing for us, and reaffirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. On behalf of the whole church, I now ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, please respond. I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they may present themselves? If so, please respond, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to all people of all nations, ages, and races? If so, please respond, I do. According to the grace given to you, will you remain a faithful member of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representative in the world? If so, please respond, I will. We, re we, we, we remember our baptism and are thankful. May the Holy Spirit work within us that having been born through the water and the Spirit, we may live as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ and be assured of God's love for all people. Amen.
Dearly beloved, as we turn our hearts and minds to prayer, we invite you to remain standing, to be seated, to kneel, or to come to the communion rail according to your tradition, or to come forward and to touch the waters and remember your baptism as we join together in our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. Jesus calls us out of darkness into marvelous light. Washed clean by the waters of baptism, let us pray that we may live the life to which we are called. I will conclude each petition, Lord of truth. Please respond. Hear our prayer. Holy Jesus, eternal word, proclaimed as the Christ by John the forerunner, hear us as we pray for all who proclaim your word. Lord of truth, hear our prayer. Holy Jesus, baptizing with the Spirit and with fire, strengthen us to withstand all the trials of our faith. Lord of truth, hear our prayer. Holy Jesus, bringing forgiveness to all who repent, Teach your church dependence on your grace. Lord of truth, hear our prayer. Holy Jesus, fulfillment of the promises of old, give hope to all who suffer or are ignored. Lord of truth, hear our prayer. Holy Jesus, beloved Son of the Father, anoint us with the gifts of your Holy Spirit. Lord of truth, hear our prayer. Holy Jesus, bringer of hope, share with all the faithful the riches of eternal life. Lord of truth, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, in you the Father makes us and all things new. Transform the poverty of our nature by the riches of your grace, and in the renewal of our lives, make known your heavenly glory. Amen. Now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming weeks. We are sad to announce this morning the passing of Dr. Max B. Miller. Dr. Miller was organist and choir master at Marsh Chapel for 35 years, and upon his retirement from Boston University, was recognized as the leading church musician in the Northeast, a teacher and mentor to hundreds of our nation's finest organists. Affectionately known as Uncle Max, he contributed a regular advice column to the American Organist, the monthly journal of the American Guild of Organists. An organist, conductor, teacher, and composer-arranger Music at Marsh Chapel owes its fine heritage to Max's devoted and gentle leadership. Information about a forthcoming memorial service will be made available as it becomes known. We thank again Lorelei, all our ensemble and residents, for joining us this morning under the direction of Beth Willer. We would note that all of our regular upcoming act schedule of activities will take place during the coming week beginning on Wednesday as classes resume on the 16th. And we would invite you to meditate during the offertory on Thomas Tallis's settings of the reproaches for Good Friday, Sancte Deus. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
gracious God, pour out your blessings on these ordinary gifts of time and treasure and talent. Immerse us in your love that we might live extraordinary lives of justice and joy. Amen. Now go forth and remember your baptism. Know that the Holy Spirit abides with you, Jesus Christ walks beside you, and God Almighty loves you. Amen. <laughs>